This is The Good List. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. This is a work of art. And maybe also an idea. I don't know. All these Good List editions are starting to blur together, you know. Either way, I'm going to share with you an idea on what to do with works of art that have made my life sweeter. And then afterwards, I want to share with you a short chat I had not too long ago with my friend and fellow writer, Sarah Bessie, where we talk about showing up for what's ours to do. Emphasis on ours, meaning showing up, yes, but for only what's ours. Okay, so if you know me, you know how much I love music and how much I love to have it on in the background almost all the time. I love having it on at home, quietly playing on our Sonos speakers. We go about our daily life doing work, school, chores, meals. And I love having it on while I work, especially when I'm focused on deep work, like writing. It helps me concentrate. It keeps me from distraction. And it also sets the mood, whether I need slower, more contemplative energy or a more energetic pick-me-up creative mood. Music in the background is perfect for altering our moods however we need them. And as such... I've created a ton of Spotify playlists over the years. I've got playlists for dinner parties and other such gatherings, playlists for certain moods like romance or mourning. I created one for when the news bums me out. For cleaning the house and getting the kids' physical energy up so that they actually do their chores. And many of you know about our morning playlists for getting ready for school. Every year I create a series of playlists for days of the week we need to head out to school when they start off slow and gentle to wake everyone up. And hopefully by the end, we're out the door in somewhat decent moods. Though I'll say by May when the school year is over, everyone is sick to death of our playlists. Well, here's what I'm adding to the good list with this episode. Creating playlists for every season. So yes, winter, spring, summer, and fall. But I mean specifically each season. So I've got a playlist from spring 2018 and one from summer 2016 and winter 2019 and fall 2012. And each one takes me back to that particular time period of my life because music does that. It's a sensory experience that taps into memory and relives moments like driving on certain roads through particular towns, living in a house we no longer live in, having a meal with a certain person we miss, stuff like that. There are seasons I've skipped due to just plain old forgetfulness, and certain songs overlap, meaning I've got some duplicates on different playlists. But that's okay, because I'm doing this for me and me only, so it doesn't matter. Now, I make this really easy on myself. I often like to organize a playlist, you know, just so with a perfect intro song that leads to the next and the next until it ends exactly how it should end. I don't do that with these seasonal playlists. With these, I simply drag and dump songs that I seem to really like and play quite a bit on repeat during the season. It becomes a depository of songs from this era of my life. Sometimes I jump ahead and add a song to a new playlist for the upcoming season because I want to enjoy that song in the near future. And because I also believe that songs have seasons. I mean, most of Jack Johnson's songs are summer and Fleet Foxes are winter. But otherwise... I don't overthink this. I simply collect songs for my time periods like a musical scrapbook. Now, sometimes these seasons all smush together. For example, I've only got one spring-summer 2020 playlist because, hello, COVID pandemic quarantine. That barely felt like two seasons, so it's all in one playlist. There's also not a ton of songs on there because I just didn't listen to as much music as I normally do because I was in survival mode, just like 
about everyone else on the planet. Yet I've already started my fall playlist because, like I just mentioned, there's a few songs I want to carry with me into fall 2020, and because I'm determined to add more music to my life for the second half of 2020, I need more art in my life right now. And I bet you do too. It's easy to get wrapped up in the news, the survival mode details of school and work, and the general rigmarole of that which is 2020. So I'm encouraging you how I'm encouraging me right now to be intentional about adding good music to your life because you probably need it more than you think. I'm as big a fan of podcasts as the next gal, but we need to infuse art into our daily lives and not just talking heads. So that's my addition to the good list this week. Seasonal playlists made easy peasy as you go about your day listening to music. So not too long ago, I chatted with Sarah Bessie about what's on her good list right now, and I think you'll really resonate with what she's thinking about these days. I know I do. So here is that conversation. Hope you enjoy. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? Hi, Tish. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to finally chat with you. Um, So I have to ask really fast because you're up in like one of my favorite parts of the world. Is your weather glorious right now or are you already like roasty toasty hot? Listen, I could play it cool, but it is gorgeous right now. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Probably not super helpful for some people. We're sitting <laughs> in like a really beautiful spring. The days are warm. The nights are cool. Everything is blooming up here. I'm just about an hour and a half outside of Vancouver yeah. and uh, British Columbia. And so it's uh, it's been just a lovely spring. But after a yeah. long, gray, rainy winter, I was very ready for some vitamin D and some mm-hmm. flowers. So. Yeah, I get it. Well, you know, we had a great spring. Our spring is like your summer. And but we tend to go to Oregon in the summer and the kids are already asking, okay, we are going to Oregon this year, right? And I'm like, guys, I don't know. <laughs> like, I really, I mean, we've decided to take summer in two week increments. Like we do not know anything past two weeks um, in terms of our own family plan. So it's like a giant question mark. But man, Summers here are brutal, so yes. we will yeah. have to come up with a plan if if we stay here. Well, and even if we come up with plans, we have to hold them flexibly <laughs> and just kind of contingency and if this, then that, and I don't even know. At this point, I think your plan of just taking things in two-week increments is the wisest course of action, and I will be adopting it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when my friend told me that the other, you know, a few weeks ago, I was like, that is brilliant, and that's just what I'm going to tell the kids, too, because if they ask, you know, am I going to camp in August? Like, I don't know. You know, who knows? Who knows anything, really? So, yeah. Okay. So uh, we talk about things that are on our good list here, as you know. So I would love to know what's one thing on your good list right now, Sarah. So what's what's on your plate? Well, there's I think there's a number of things that everybody's kind of using or, or doing right now in order to kind of keep things um, happening. But for me, I've got four kids um, that are all homeschooling right now. They go from age uh, five to four, uh, nearly 14. And then, of course, working full time and everything else. And I think I've started to feel very overwhelmed. And there's been a phrase that has just been super helpful and very clarifying for me over these last number of months, and I think probably will continue to be helpful. And that is show up for the work that's mine to do. Mm-hmm. Um, show up for the work is one that I think has floated around a lot in um, a lot of, you know, certainly in, in writing circles, you know, because a big part of writing is putting your bum in the chair, right? Mm-hmm. And actually doing right. it. Yeah. But one of the things that has been really helpful for me is to say, what's mine to actually do mm-hmm. right now? Um, I think especially in like in a moment um, and just to continue to show up for it. I think maybe that might be because um, 
engagement can be hard right now, right? It's easier to kind of numb out or kind of comfort ourselves into like some sort of like oblivion of needing to just kind of get through at, at certain moments, which again, I mean, listen, we're all there for that every now and again. Mm-hmm. But this sense of just showing up, right, of continuing yeah. to show up for my for my kids, for my the work that's mine to do for um, instead of just kind of trying to you know, white knuckle or hide or numb out from it um, right mm-hmm. now. That's probably that's been something that's been really helpful for me, like on a more idea basis, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And you know, what I like about that phrase is that it both is in, is motivating for us to sit down, put our butt in the chair and do the work we're called to do. And also um, the second part of that phrase, what's mine to do, that it's so easy to see other people's what's on their end to do and feel a little weird, like, you know, should I be doing that? Or should I not be doing what I'm doing? And instead embracing what's mine to do and not yours to do. Um, I like both sides of that. Yeah, I think it's been helpful. Because again, sometimes I mean, I don't know, some of the narratives, I think when we very first were starting to fully enter into, you know, uh, quarantine and into lockdown mode, you know, people were, you know, just really almost, you know, the hustle and the pressure to do everything and to continue to do everything and act like we weren't in some global pandemic (laughs) where things Mm -hmm. were like totally changed was really, you know, almost tiring. And so this permission of like, what's actually mine to do right now? And and then I can show up for that. And I feel like the, you know, whenever it happened, it was a mid-March around here, whenever, you know, everything shut down. It, of course, it was worrisome. Of course, there were some, you know, concerns about what we should and shouldn't do. But there was also a tiny bit of a permission slip, I feel like, given to us to really and truly only do that which we could do. So I don't know about your spring, but I had a number of traveling um, gigs in April and May and obviously well, all the way to July, I had to cancel the literary London trip and all these things on my calendar just suddenly vanished and went away. And as much as I was sad about that, cause these were things I legitimately loved doing. There was also a tiny weird bit of relief. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I think that that's true. I think that, you know, and again, that's, it's different, I think probably for every family based on what they were kind of, um, you know, engaging with, but I think that there mm-hmm. was this sense of, um, clarifying, right? Mm-hmm. Of what actually mm-hmm. remained then on the on the other side of that, and what what is it that still is here for me um, yeah. to have in this moment, as opposed to now, you know, the temptation is to kind of fill it up. I kind of joke to a girlfriend of mine that this is not the time for gains; this is the time for maintain. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this, is all, this is all we're doing right now. We're just going to keep the wheels on, and we're going to yeah. worry about you know all the other stuff later at another point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. Um, you know, I think. Weirdly, I feel like life got smaller, which was, I think, something, it was a gift. A lot of us didn't even know we needed, but we did, you know, because we weren't going out and about and we were in our homes and there was something that felt really human and really right about that, even though none of this that's going out, this, whatever this is, is right or as it should be on a global scale. There's something that just kept us in our little burrows or in our shelters that felt as it should be in, in a small way. I was reading somebody on Twitter, I forget who it was, but she talked about how she realized that her biggest job was um, at the moment because of all this was the ministry of countenance. Mm -hmm. And I asked her what she meant. And she said, basically, what it meant was like, literally, my face um, is my ministry right now to my kids and to my, you know, my spouse, my my people is to show up and look people fully in the eye and actually engage when my kid is talking to me instead of spacing out. It's, it's looking at my spouse and smiling instead of 
you know, I'm just exhausted, all those kinds of things. Everything just got really small mm-hmm. in, in all the right way, ways, I felt like. Yeah, no, I think so. I think, I mean, even right from the beginning, I felt like it was a very interesting thing that the the advice that we were hearing, the things that we were hearing from public health, you know, avoiding crowds and staying connected and looking after your neighbors and uh, making choices for the most vulnerable among mm-hmm. us, right? And going outside and being in nature instead of in, you know, crowds. Like, part of me just kind of wondered, are we all going to become better humans? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, you could make the argument that that is not held up. But <sighs> at the same right. time, there was this idea of space and of a breath. And I mean, you know, even from a creation perspective or a world and a perspective, there's been a slowing and a pausing, mm-hmm. um, you know, of, of maybe, uh, you know, again, I see even in my neighborhood, like people talking to their neighbors more and going out for walks more. And, uh-huh. you know, it just is, it, there's been some restorations or some gifts, I guess, even in the midst of all of the suffering. Yeah. Um, neither one negates the other. Right. Being able to notice the gift, being able to appreciate it, being able to identify it and find some joy in it, um, I think matters even more when we are in a state of, um, you know, suffering and mourning, um, grief, even anger. Um, Neither one of those things, you know, is is necessarily against the other. And I think being able to hold both of them are the ways that you're able to find hope and keep going. Right, right. So I'm curious, Sarah, for people listening and hearing your wisdom as sound, what what would you say right now are some examples of what is yours to do? Like concrete, boots on the ground, Sarah Bessie's list of this is on your end to do. Um, what are some of those things right now? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, I think probably been a really clarifying thing <laughs> in the midst of all of this. Um, you know, I think for a lot of us, I think one of the biggest things that became really clear to me at the beginning was um, like our home and our family. Um, you know, again, it's a hard thing for kids right, to lose their friends and their routines and and basketball teams. And, you know, you think about ones who are graduating high school and whatever else and are trying to finish. Our kids are in school until the end of June. And so we still have a few more weeks of homeschool. But even things like making sure that, you know, they feel connected, that they are seeing some of those things, that they're finding ways and outlets, you know, all, all that sort of thing. So our families become very much a central it always has been, but I think I, I see it a little bit more clearly now because we're all here like mm-hmm. all the time, right? Yeah. And the, the ability to have like healthy and good routines and, um, you know, making wise choices and, and modeling some of those things and, and inviting mm-hmm. them into some of those processes. And then, of course, just, you know, managing to keep the wheels on for work. I think I've realized at this point that this, like I said earlier, this isn't a time to like, you know, chase hard, but, you know, we're trying to keep um, you know, some room for writing and for um, work and for the community that I lead over at Evolving Faith and, right. you know, a number of other things that are kind of going on, but keeping it very simple, keeping it very manageable. And, and just, you know, what is, um, what is it that that's actually mine to do right now? And then how do I do that well without making everybody around me crazy by trying to do everything at once? I think one of the biggest things that's been helpful for me is to, um, to not try to do everything at once, but just to almost have some margin and also have some room and be able to say, nope, we're not just because I can work until midnight doesn't mean I will. I'm going to go mm-hmm. to bed. I'm going to have a bath mm-hmm. every night. I'm going yeah. to, you know, do these, these other things that make me feel like a human in the midst of all of this as well. Yeah, that's really good. I, a practice that I picked up back in March was instead of writing like a daily to-do list, I write just a master to-do list somewhere else in my journal. And then like just as a brain dump, so I don't forget. And then I will take three at a time and put them on my day's to-do list. So I will look and just think, okay, if I can only get three things done today, which three should I do? And then I'll just 
pick those. And then if I cross them off and I feel like I still have bandwidth, okay, I'll add one more or maybe I'll add three more. But if that was it and I'm done, then I'm done and it's okay. I think, you know, sometimes if we create this 30 item to do list and then we only quote get three things done, we feel like somehow we didn't have a productive day or didn't have a quote good day. Um, when that's not the definition of a good day. No, you're exactly right. In a lot of ways, I mean, I don't know if you feel like this or not, but I mean, we have our kids really close together with the exception of our youngest. We had three babies in four years. And that idea of like three things, like, this is all we're going to do today, was very real for me in those years of like, you know, just having, you know, three babies that were four and under. And, you know, then of course we added another one in a few years later, but just this idea of like keeping your expectations, not low, but um, gentle. Mm, gentle is a good word for right? that. And I think that, that this feels like a very similar time to me where it could be very overwhelming. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of big feelings sometimes, um, you know, all around us and in us all at the same time. And so this, I think that your idea of saying, here's, here's three things. Mm-hmm. If these happen, great. I'll feel like today was a success, but mm-hmm. today is not the day to write the great Canadian novel. <laughs> so, right. mm-hmm. that'll, that'll make the top three list but and so you actually just mentioned your conference evolving faith that's usually in the fall correct mm-hmm. yeah, okay do you even i mean how do you plan for something in the for the fall where we're here in in late spring and who knows what happens i mean are you planning or are you just gonna you know move to the following year you know, we are doing some planning and some research right now. I think that okay. because normally we put our tickets on sale for our gathering in March. And so mm-hmm. we have the whole conference prepared and ready to go in Houston. That has obviously changed. And so right now we've got a lot of people in the room helping us try to see what the path forward will look like. I think we'll probably have an announcement on that in the next you know week or two. Yeah. But the I think that part of that, too, has been... Um, I think what are ways that you can look for the common good and loving your neighbor just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the things I think that we're trying to hold, you know, that we have learned, I think through this whole process over these last few months is that what does it look like to care for the most vulnerable among you and to think more about the common good than just what you're allowed to do. Right. Right. Um, You know, goes back to the whole thing of just because it's permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. (laughs) Oh man. Right. I know we're in Texas. And so I see that, I mean, I literally, I walked my dog today and I went, so we live in a historic town and we can walk. I usually walk around our courthouse. It's a little historic square and we headed that way. And I immediately detoured because there was a parade and all sorts of people hanging out. And I did not see one mask. I was like, all right, I I am going to choose to love you guys by <laughs> going the other direction because this is just Texas, man. Anyway, yeah. so I get it. It's it's those daily choices, and yeah, um, I think so. I yeah. think so. You know, and I think that it's you know kind of I don't know, how do you love each other well in the mm-hmm. midst of all of that, and sometimes that can look very practical. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. It really is. This is really good, Sarah. I'm really glad you're um, kind of leading by example of doing the small things. I think it's helpful whenever people know of other people and they see that your day looks largely like waking up and just doing your parenting thing, doing your word count thing, Um, you know, having that ministry of countenance, choosing just a few things and then calling it good. I think these examples from people are are what we need these days, not big, huge, you know, life-changing words that blow your mind. I mean, we don't have any anyway right now, but (laughs) even if we did, I like that you're choosing the small things. That's good. A big thanks to Sarah for the chat. You can find her work at sarahbessie.com, which I've also got linked in the show notes of this episode number 39. 
As a reminder, I'm on Twitter at Tish and every now and then on Instagram at Tish Oxenwriter. But if you'd really like to interact with me and stay in the know with what's on my mind, your best bet is my free weekly email called Five Quick Things. This is where I devote most of my energy to communicating with you, and I love doing it. I send it out most every Friday morning, and it can almost always be read in under a minute, pinky swear. So to go get it, go to fivequickthings.email and sign up for free, or check the link in the show notes. I promise no dumb, fluffy freebie for signing up, just simple connection with me. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod, and thanks as always to Caroline Tassell and Kyle Oxenrider for their help, as well as my furry intern, Jenny. I'm Tish Oxenrider, and I'll be back with you soon. Thanks for listening to The Good List.